Hallelujah. Well, we've been on a beautiful journey and uh, I, I am fighting a lot of temptation to just continue with that um, attitude of prayer and thanksgiving and appreciating God. 2020 has been a heck of a year for some people and an amazing year for some of us. And we're left with absolute, standing absolute awe of God, just gratitude, just absolute gratitude. Scripture says a thousand may fall on your side, ten thousand on your right side. And I don't know, sometimes uh, the information that circulates in media uh, may seem so, so far away from you until you know someone close by who starts to give you either accounts or has such experiences. Then you begin to appreciate the, the devastating effects of the, the global health pandemic that we experienced in 2020. Um, I have seen uh, siblings, um, my, my family, an extended family, we've enjoyed grace and long life. I have, I have two siblings who are direct, what you call frontline workers, uh, actually. Yeah, two siblings who are just in the heart of it. Actually, one of them is in charge of, uh, one of them is in charge of all the people who are, when they quarantine you, it, she's the one who signs, then you are quarantined. Uh, it, if it doesn't pass through her desk, you cannot be quarantined. But then it's not a desk job because she's constantly out in the field and all that, da, 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 da. Um, she banned us from going to see our parents <laughs> because they are old. And I said, and if you go, I'll put your name on quarantine. So we had to like behave ourselves for a while there until they felt the situation was calm. I have a brother who is... Uh, Okay, so don't worry what he does, but uh, in the family WhatsApp group, he'll keep posting his colleagues dying, like uh, literally they're burying colleagues every other time. This one is gone, this one is gone, and all that. And so uh, when you see the proximity, or when there's proximity to the situation that 2020 uh, brought our way, you begin to appreciate the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I'm tempted to start right there. And I think we'll start right there. God, uh, Father, help me as I'm sitting here that they will not fall asleep. Help me that they will listen to me. Because sometimes people listen to the dramatization and the theatrics. But Lord, help me uh, speak to them. Let, let your word through your Holy Spirit get to their hearts. Amen. Amen. So I think we'll pick it right there. Last week, we, uh, I, I actually thought that I had, because I felt so many, a pull in so many directions, and I was concerned that I may have thrown out so many directions at you. So I reached out to Brian, and then Brian told me, no, 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 it was okay. I thought, you know, Brian can just pakami mafuta. Tell me it's okay. Um, apart from that, Pastor Mungai had already taught us that when you preach, you don't ask people how it was because you should not care whether they, they like it or not. You just preach and they may tell you it was Madhogodhanyo and it will, it will dishearten you, so don't, don't ask them. But I just felt like there were so many, um, at least, at least uh, very clear three or four different uh, strong directions that I felt a pull in to address. And um, I thought, hey, I may have mixed up people. And so I requested Brian to just listen out to that audio, and I did. I generally, if I'm listening to, to 
a recording of what I taught. I like doing that when I'm done with it. So we are done, and we are done. I, and um, I did, and I, it was pretty clear. It wasn't so mixed up. But last week, we were, so we'll, we'll touch on some of those things. This, this is not a recap. This is not a recap, okay? I'm continuing, and I'm hoping to bring us to a safe place in the next uh, not so many uh, minutes. Um, I was going to say be it unto you according to your faith, but since you are not here alone, I will spare the rest who are believing with me for the next uh, maximum an hour to wind up. So, uh, so last week we toyed around a bit, and I want to, I want to pick it up from there. Uh, we've said many things. Um, Brian let me, uh, sent me a link of, uh, what is that? It's, it's a podcast something? Yeah, where these recordings are posted. And, um, and so for recap purposes, you can just go there. They can be able to give you that access and you can go there. Um, but there's something we touched on last week, and I know we touched on it in a humorous way, but I want to start there and then take us back to uh, attracting this divine encounter. So because let me tell you, let me tell you, we're either getting it or getting it. All right? Hello? Hey? Hello? These are not jokes. These are not games. We're not playing religious games. So we're going for it. Okay? I told you last week, except Daniel got up and said, these are the prophecies and I must see them in my day. The captivity, the Babylonian captivity would have continued. Okay, so let's roll from here. <laughs> then from there we go back to the, the, we start from here, then we go to the, the Prince of Persia and uh, open up something else there, then find our way back to encounters, see if we can touch on the soul, and then if we finish touching on the soul, then we can go back to Hebrews 11, or 2 Corinthians 5, uh, Galatians uh, 2, Hebrews 11, and then call it a day. Uh, that is, a, that's, uh, I'm attempting, <laughs> I'm attempting what I know I can't do, but the Lord be with us. So let's start here. So, um, Except Daniel got up and said, no, this is the prophecy and I must see it in my day, that prophecy would have hung over them in perpetuity while their captivity continued. You with me? That, that would have hung over them. The word, the word given would have hung over them in perpetuity. But its reality would have never been experienced in their days. Let me ask you something. How long did the Lord tell Abraham that the Israelites would be in Egypt? 400. Thank you, sir. 400 years. How long were they there? Between 30 and 40. What are those extra years about? And listen, it would have reached 500, even 1,000, except some fellow, because they were called Moses, got fed up and decided, I'm doing something about it. They started in the flesh, lost some time, but ultimately the posture of their heart was that this captivity needs to end. 
Do you get it? And if I recall, and I listened to the tape, so I'm recalling correctly, that, that uh, I, I told you the prophecy of Joel about the end times and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does not mention Peter. So it's not like Peter was reading the book and then he said, wow, the prophecy of Joel mentions me. I better take action. No, Peter decided to take action. When they asked him, what is this that's going on here? Peter said, this is that. Let me tell you what this is that. In other words, laid claim to the fulfillment of the prophecy, postured himself to see that prophecy fulfilled in his day. Listen, the prophecy of Joel does not say they'll just speak in tongues. It speaks of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. And then what happens? I, I suspected you are going there. This is a problem of people sitting on the projector who know too much Bible. Ah, yeah. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Continue. And also upon servants and upon handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Continue now that you went there. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Peter was laying claim to these things. Amen. What did they see in Acts chapter 2? They just started seeing three calls. Hello. Okay, so you go to Acts chapter 2 then. Now that your, your fingers are doing the walking, help me here, brother. It's going to be nice. Let's be partners. Acts chapter 2, what had happened? Did you see what we read in Joel? Did you see all the things that Joel prophesied? Hello? Active. Yes. Did you see everything that was prophesied in Joel? But do you see, is it Acts 2, bro? No, go backwards. So you see what happened here. Take us to, this is 16, take us to about 12, 10, 12, let's see. Okay, so 12, and they're all amazed and were in doubt. Okay, so why are they amazed? Because this is what happened on the street. What happened? There were a certain bunch of people that were sitting in the upper room waiting on God. I, they, yeah, 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 another temptation there. See, the bad waiting and the real waiting. So they were waiting on God. They were not passively sitting in an upper room hoping that something will happen. No, they were in an active posture waiting for the fulfillment of a word given to them by Jesus, which was that I will in a few days pour upon you the Holy Spirit. So they were in a partnership posture. Hello? upstairs sitting there. No, they knew something has been spoken and something must come to pass. And it is happening in a few days in our days. And so their being locked up in the upper room was a declaration by action that we are not leaving this place until it's fulfilled. Because the wrong concept of waiting tells us they were sitting upstairs, just chit chilling, eh? Yeah, they were just chilling. Ilam, wanna watch ball? Arsenal versus our Serengeti. They're just sitting there and hoping. No, that's not the posture. They were actively placing a demand on heaven, drawing something to be fulfilled in their day. They were drawing something from 
a prophetic declaration that was hanging over them and they were turning it into an active reality in their day. That's what they were doing in the upper room. Praying, fasting in one accord. That's what they were doing. And then, boom, the outpouring occurs. And what happens? What happens? Their tongues of fire rest upon them. They begin to speak in other tongues. And this spills over into the street. And in the street, people are all amazed because these guys were speaking in their languages. Speaking in their languages. And doing what? Declaring the good, the great works of God. Right? Is that what you have in verse 10? Verse 9 and 8. I want to read that again. Seven, eight. Yeah, so there. These guys are speaking on the street and people say, ah, 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 they are drunk, they are drunk. How hear we every man in our own tongue where which we were born? These are the people now. Uh, uh, these are the people talking about what they are hearing, what they are, what they are experiencing, isn't it? Brian, I'm going to go to my Acts. Uh, these guys are looking at me like it's, it's, not in your, it's not in the Bible. Let's find it. Verse 15, 16. Brian, you go to 15, 16. I'll, I'll find my... So we carry our own Bible. Own Bible. Hmm. So just keep it there. I'm going to read from verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, and multitudes came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one with another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own, in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites. Elamites. And the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia, in Pontus and in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own, in our tongues. This is it. It was 11. We do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Hello? So what happened in Acts chapter 2? Holy Spirit was outpoured upon them. When the Holy Spirit was outpoured upon them, what happened? They began to speak in tongues. Um, la, 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 la. So, the, the manifestation of the gifts of speaking in tongues, there are about four diversities. We won't go there. There are about four diversities. But this is one of those diversities. When they were speaking in tongues, you know, we are, many of us are familiar with the heavenly language. You know? You're familiar with the heavenly language? Yes. Right? Uh, one, two, three. Speak. Hello? Yes. Thank you. So you're familiar with that. That's one. The other diversity, there are four in total, but the other diversity is where you speak in a language of men, a language you've never known before. You have no previous knowledge of. And so this is what the Holy Spirit manifested. And all those people from all those different regions had these guys speaking in their own language. So there was a man who is a Chinese. Um, no, no, not the case there. I'm just giving an example. A man who is a Chinese lifting his hand and speaking in fluent Luo so that Polycarp heard. And when Pastor Polycarp heard, Polycarp literally heard the message. It wasn't just a sound. 
Okay, so the purpose of this particular diversity of uh, speaking in tongues is for a sign to the non-believer. That's the purpose, okay? So don't go and put it on. You will fail miserably. And you'll be among all men most miserable. Okay, so it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit chooses to manifest this, as he manifests it, it is often and most of the time it's for a sign to the non-believer because there's a message being communicated. So Brian has been hard-headed, not listening to the truth, not listening to the message, not listening to the word of God, and we are just sitting here in church and Brian knows he's in total disobedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit and then we are told we are praying for, for thanking God for families and as you start to speak in tongues, you think you're speaking in tongues and giving God thanks for family, but Brian, whose right hand you're holding, hears you speaking fluent Kiganda, and you're telling him something. You have no idea. Often, uh, you will not know. You won't know until someone comes to tell you, by the way. Most of the time, you won't know. Um, I had an incident. I spoke uh, for a beat in French before I started learning French, and I had no idea. Another time, uh, Lingala, and this brother just is looking at me. We are praying, but he's looking at me, and I have no idea. And then when I finish uh, praying, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, he's a musician, tell him, come, sing this song. He said, I already know. You told me earlier. I'm like, what do you mean I told you earlier? But you are speaking Lingala. What do you mean I was speaking Lingala? But you are telling me in Lingala immediately after this prayer point. Uh, what was his name? I forget his name. Or whatever. So I was telling him immediately after this prayer point, we're going to give God thanks for about five minutes. And when we finish giving God thanks for five minutes, the Holy Spirit wants you to sing this song. So you prepare, you come and sing this song. I had no idea I'm telling him that. Oh, so, and I didn't even hear anything going like Bolingo, Bolingo. You know, Bolingo is on, we know. Bolingo is on, we know, man. He didn't hear that. But he heard me and he got the message. So it's a message. Uh, either to an unbeliever or someone else, but it's often for a sign for somebody else. That's a long detour. Almost five minutes gone. Let's go back. Let's go back to where we were. So what happened in Joel chapter 2? They had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They spoke in the heavenly language and they spill over to the street. They spoke in the second diversity of tongues, which was tongues in human language, unknown human language to them. And when the people heard this, they said, you're drunk. And then Peter stood up and said, men and brethren, we're not drunk. Then Peter said what? What you're seeing here, this is that which was prophesied by Joel. But the question I have for you, was this all Joel prophesied? No. But what was Peter doing? We're going to see everything Joel said from here. Did they see it? Absolutely. Why? Because if you follow Acts chapter 3, 4, 5, you start to see the things Joel prophesied coming to fulfillment. That's point number one. So to close point number one, we are saying it this way. The captivity of the Israelites in Babylon would have continued in perpetuity unless some Daniel somewhere got up and said, this is that day that Jeremiah prophesied. Hello? I don't know if this is making sense to you. It's exciting me here. And uh, Maggie struggled to carry all these chairs. So I have to sit on them. Otherwise, by now, they've been running already. <laughs> um, should I bring it home and step on your toes a bit? 
Your captivity will continue until you get fed up. Hmm? It will continue until you get fed up. The, the patriarch, the patriarch um, Isaac, hmm, who was duped by his son Jacob, Jacob the duper. <laughs> Jacob was a con man, but Israel was not. You know, his name was changed. Eh? Yeah. Before his name was changed, he was a con man. Jacob was a con man. In fact, the name means supplanter. It's a con man. It was a con. Hmm? Again, I'm tempted to detour a little bit there. You realize that before he was born, Romans tells us, the book of Romans says that the children not yet born, while they were still in the womb, before anyone had done evil or done good, the Lord said, the Lord said, the older will serve the younger. You realize that? Yes. And so he did not need to con to get Esau to serve him. But he thought he has to con. That is a good one. We will bring it when we talk about the soul. It's on Injia's soul. Those are soulish, soulish mechanisms. And a lot of people are caught up in that. Trying to fix for God his prophecy. Hmm? You realize he, he tried to. Oh, by the way, just for your information, everything that Jacob conned his brother for, he never got. Never got. What was he conning him for? So he was to be firstborn, birthright. Uh, what, what, is, what is the place, what is the, the portion of the firstborn? What inheritance was Isaac leaving them? Chanikunye juice. What inheritance was Isaac leaving them? Pardon? Livestock and land. What else did Isaac have? Huh? Isaac has livestock. Isaac has land. Isaac has property. Uh, something. But there was something else Isaac had that was sitting on Isaac that makes him appear in our book. Hmm? Ah, Fabriza, your hand is up. Tell me. Thank you, Fabriza. Food. You, food. Food, yes, thank you, carry on. Pardon? The biggest thing that Isaac carried was the promise. But listen, the promise is not transferred by Isaac's choice. All right? It's not earned. It's, it's given, so the Lord determines how it flows, where it goes. Hmm? My wife and I were having a conversation. Uh, we've had some, uh, some uh, beautiful time together the past uh, a uh, few days going to weeks because our children took off. <laughs> uh, one disappeared uh, between Kinawadegus and Kabidis. We, we don't know him anymore. The other one disappeared to the auntie. So we've had quite some time having a chat. And uh, as we sit there and talking, I, I told her, there's something we need to write about one day. Something we need to write about is a, is a, is a fallacy of uh, the stupidity of Christian succession. Yeah? You know, the, the silly assumption that you can pass something to your child. I know you don't like these parents. You know, I like the things you don't like. It's very cool with me. Yeah? You see, in the, again, quick detour, we go back. In the Old Testament, 
Abraham passing something to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to his 12 sons and etc. It wasn't about passing, um, it wasn't about a pattern for us to live by. It was simply about creating a lineage for Christ to come. Once Christ comes, who does Christ pass it on to? Hello? So we, now it's a body, isn't it? And so what happens is, and you may not like this, but this is real. Elam can start a ministry. Elam can start a ministry under the unction of Spirit of God. And in the divine plan, the successor is Gabi. Not Elam's son. Go, just check your recent history, especially in the church, and see the mess that has come of all those silly successions. But you know, that's nice. That's the sweet side. The difficult side per se is, you know, when we talk about ministry, everybody sitting behind you is saying, okay, fine, fine, fine. But then, in this dispensation, even with business, who told this your son taking off? <clears throat> so, let's leave that detour and go back. Where were we? Isaac has land, cows, goats, and etc. to give, isn't it? How much of Isaac's land, cows, goats, and etc. did Jacob inherit? None. None. He was busy slaving 21 days kwalaban. Jackie, thank God, brother Kwashaenda. Alkuko, Laban's house, 21 years. As he's working there, who received all those things? Esau. Esau received them. Esau received the goats, the land, the cows, everything. And even when Isaac was on his way back, God made it clear, this is not the land I was talking to about. I was talking to you about. This is not it. He said, leave it alone. And even when the Israelites were journeying back from Egypt, coming to the promised land, God was very clear, don't touch Edom's land. Don't touch Esau's land. So, Izimanguvu Zako Zaku receive inheritance. It's misplaced. It's misplaced. Anyway, hiya, nime, nime. we are doing that thing again. Sit down. Okay, so, so in Acts chapter 2, what, what uh, Peter lays claim to exceeds the boundary of what's happening that day. So what's going on? It's trickles. Peter has seen trickles, and he knows this is it. And he stands as a divine partner with God, and he lays claim to it, and he receives it. Indeed, if you read Peter's life, you see the fulfillment of the prophecies of Joel. Daniel lay claims to it, lays claim to it, and he sees it. Okay, so we wind this point one. I'm standing. What are you laying claim to? You, 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 you. What, what are you holding on to that must come to fulfillment in your day? Ni rent too. What are you laying claim to? What is it that you're partnering with God about that must find fulfillment in your day on the earth? What is it? If you have nothing, I beg your pardon, but I have to say it. If there's nothing, you're not weighty to the kingdom. When bogi to bogi, Navutu and Angel, you're not weighty to the kingdom. 
See, what are we talking about? We've been spending a lot of time talking about the kind of persons that attract God to partner with him to realize divine encounters. Ah, okay, maybe ni mwapoteza kidogo. Is that not what we've been talking about? The kind of persons that attract this divine encounter. And I say it, one is that these guys, there's a counter living. There's a, they have a counter culture. They don't bow or conform to the world. True? Okay, so quickly remind you from Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, we're talking about uh, Judges 6, 7, and 8, and we're talking about uh, Gideon. What did we say about Gideon? He refuses to conform. Seven-year captivity, he refuses to conform. He refuses. How many times did you think he planted and lost his crop? But he won't bow. He refuses. The Midianite captivity is designed to impoverish Israel. But he refuses to conform. I'm going to prosper in this captivity. I'm going to plant wheat and harvest it. I'm going to bake cakes and eat them. I'm going to have goats and have kids. I'm going to maintain servants. He refuses. So he's postured in the counter to the demands of that Midianite captivity. What's with Daniel? He refuses to conform to Babylon. He refuses. He takes a counter position and he says, no. I'm not going to worship idols. I'm not going to eat food offered to idols. He refuses. And from day one, his posture is different. He so drives differently that when, some, when he was among the presidents, they called them presidents of the Babylonian kingdom, the, the other guys who were jealous, uh, trying to set him up, went to the king and asked the king that nobody should worship any other god. So they, they know this is the only place we will have a counter-movement with Daniel. He opens his window, faces Jerusalem, and prays. He refuses to bow. Amen. It's a counter-posture. How are we expecting to be divine partners with God? I told you two weeks ago, how are we expecting to be divine partners with God? Oh, last week actually. When the contours, the postures of our heart are exactly the same like the world. When our pursuits, when our motives, when our desires are exactly the same. That if they were picked from your heart and projected, and we could pick and project that of any other person, they're exactly the same. How are you different? His pursuits were different. So different. That it draws God in the picture. Amen. I was Daniel. I was Gideon. It's counter living. Absolutely non conforming. Hmm? Non conforming. There has to be some things that are realized in our days. Amen. We have to draw in divine encounters. This is it. This is, oh, 
we, it can't just, it can't happen like that. We can't just live, grow old, and die. No. No. Then it's pointless. Then of all men, we're indeed most miserable. We can't, we can't have come here just to be born, grow up, get a job, have salary, and die. No. Then it's pointless. If that's all there is, it's useless. If that's all it is, then it's useless. What's the point? No, no, no. No, no, no. Not with the volumes of prophecies hanging over us in our day. No. No, 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 that's no, that's not acceptable. Amen. Not with the multitudes of prophecies and witnesses watching over us in our day. Amen. Not with the saints of old desiring that they would have had a chance to live in our day. No. No, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Something has to be, we have to have a reorientation. We couldn't have come to this earth just to grow, grow old and die. No. No. I refuse to accept that concerning me. I refuse to conform to that. I refuse to settle for that. I refuse to live a life that has no significance. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse that the only account they would ever have of Vincent is that he came, he was born, he went to school, he got jobs, he married, they had children, he bought houses and died. God forbid. Then what's the point? But one of the points, one of the reasons for such a posture and such deception is that for most believers... Our whole, you know, layout of life is exactly that. Only that after death we add heaven. They are born. They crawl. They walk. They eat food. They go to school. After getting finished school, they get a good job. Get to marry. Have children. Sweat, 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 sweat. For some... Maybe, for most, no. Buy a house, die. That does not look consistent with scripture at all. Except for the school part and house part. To me, that's a description of the life of a goat. Is there any difference? How would, we, how would it be that the most high, how would it be that the most high would create a being that is exactly like him and have its only reason for existing that. No. No. Come on, think about it. Think about it. Jump into a manufacturer's shoe and think about it. Hmm? How many of you know a, a good fast car? A, a good, really good fast car. What's that? Um, Amo, you're here. Alfie, you're here. Good, powerful, fast car. Lamborghini. Huh? 
Lamborghini. I'm which one are you saying? A Ferrari, a Lamborghini. How would it be that the manufacturer, I mean, how would the manufacturer of a Lamborghini feel? Lamborghini or Ferrari, how would the manufacturer feel? Feel, feel. Hmm? How would they feel if on the street they saw a Pro Box outperforming that car? Sorry if you own a Pro Box, I'm not insulting you, I'm just comparing cars. Huh? How do they feel? So where is that significance about you? I want to touch two more things, then we bring this to a hold. Where is that significance about you? Where is the distinction between you and the cow? Cows are born. Cows eat grass and grow. They go to cow school. Yeah, how do they learn the cow things? They go to cow school. And then they grow old. If they make it, they die. Otherwise, they are slaughtered and eaten. What? How? How? So let's pick this from here. So Jesus says, Jesus says, speaking to you and I, he says, come on. Don't be caught in anxiety and worry about things. And then he says this, and I'm picking this from that within its context. But he says this, there's a big difference between you and the birds of the air. There's a big difference between you and the lilies of the field. There's a big difference. Says you are not like those. You have a father. So you, he, not a creator, a father which makes you of the same order of life like him. Because he is not referring to you as a created being at this point. He's referring to you as a begotten being. You have a father, therefore you've been birthed of him. It's there in John. I'm avoiding many references. We have to do this. John chapter... Chapter? Sorry? Huh? Matthew, no, 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 I'm referring to John, born, born, born. Born not of the will of man or of the will of flesh, John chapter 1, but of the will of God. Let's see it so that we make that distinction and then touch two things. We have like 20 minutes, two things, and then uh, bring this down. Ay, ay, ay. John chapter 1, is it? John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as believed in him, no, as many as received him, to them gave he power for what? To become what? Sons of God. Even to them who believe on his name, which were born. This is not about the creation now. He's talking about a different thing. Which were born or which were birthed. How? He says, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, not of the will of man. Okay, so three things have been isolated there. They are born. They are born not of what? Blood. They are born not of what? Blood. Not of blood. Not of the will of flesh. Not of the will of man. But of? God. Of what? What about God? Born by? Yeah? Of the blood of God. Of the will of spirit. Of the will of God. So these guys are born. You are born. 
Now, if you are born of that order of life, there must be something significant about your life. This is what differentiates you from the cow. Now, if you're born, there's a significance about your life. Okay, so this is number one of the two things we wanted to touch. Help us, Jesus. It's very sad, very sad, that many of us do not, First of all, before we even talk about the significance of living, which is Hebrews 11, but just here, it's very sad that many of us do not appreciate the significance of this new birth. It's very sad that many of us do not appreciate the significance of new birth. Come on. We haven't embraced the fact that we are a different order of human of, of beings. Even before we talk about human beings, a different order of beings. So it's it's driving me to touch on some historical fact pretty quickly, then jump back here. Um we will get to the first one. We will make it by faith. Okay, so listen, listen, listen. I know you are listening, but when I say listen, it's like saying verily, verily. He's asking for extra attention. Listen closely, pay close attention. Listen, 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 listen. Many believers sitting in this room right now, and many even listening online, listen. Many do not know the significance of the new birth as much as the devil knows it. Okay, so I've brought in the devil. Let's put him in his place and then we carry on. Last week we touched on um, this fact that you exist and you are well because God cares. But this is why he cares. You are his. Hello? There are people in this room who um, some of what you have to do, uh, some of what you have to do to put food on the table is very hard. But you have children. And it's because of those children that you endure that to put food on the table. Okay, there are some who it is because of your belly sour. <laughs> but I'm now talking to parents, specifically to parents. That in all honesty, if those children did not exist, kama ungejua, and they were not existing, by now you'd have quit that job or that position to go find yourself something else. But you can't help every time thinking, hmm, who's going to feed these kids? Okay? It's still some form of captivity. We'll get to address that at some point to set you free. Uh, but just using it as an analogy, as an example, Hmm? I know some of you receive a phone call and you look and it's your boss. <laughs> that <laughs> is telling you I would not be doing this thing if it was in my power to choose. But there are some obligations that are causing you to answer that call and yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes ma'am, yes we'll do it, yes. Because you're thinking, yeah, this, this is my means with which I take care of these children. Am I, am I, is, it, is it sensible? Hello, is it sensible? Yeah. That thing you feel, hmm? no, I'm looking at 
Masi Taka looking at me there. Um, there's a day we took her baby, Yofe, and uh, Dolly and I were driving out. It was after service and we're going home. So Dolly's holding the baby and I started driving off. And as I'm driving up, Masi is telling us with her lips, Mchukweni too, but her feet are following us. So we went this way. She said, Mchukweni too. We made the turn and are heading towards the gate. And we can see her giving us those eagle eye look. Like I can see. So she's pretending to be chatting with other people, but she can see the car. Can see you there. I want to use the parents thing to show you something here. Listen, the moment you bring forth a child on the earth. Nilisha wambia. Easy life tunaishi hapa. Bitu mingi sana ni typology too. It's a lot of typology. But it's been put before our eyes so that it can cause our hearts to ring with the higher reality. I mean I can show you. So the moment you birth a child on the earth there's a connection between you and that human being. No matter what they do, you can never divorce your love from them. Never. You love them to pieces. <laughs> Everybody else, in fact, some people may tell you, yeah, 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 yeah. what is this you birth? But that what is it you birth? Your heart loves it passionately. Are you with me? That child may do the unimaginable things, but your heart is permanently or eternally connected to that child because you birthed it. Hmm? Hello? Hello? And if something or someone threatens that child, then the, the, <laughs> the animal in you will come out to, in the defense of that child. Are you with me? And one of the easiest ways, one of the easiest avenues to your heart is those children. When someone, even a total stranger, loves them, they win your heart. See, God wanted us to understand what it means to have birthed us. These are, I've told you, there's so much that we live in that is just typology. Hmm? That's typology because in real sense you are not the father of that child. In this way, you are not the creator. You're only an avenue through which that child came. And you will know so in eternity when they no longer need to call you daddy. <laughs> what does the Bible say? We cross time and come into it. We are just brethren, all of us. Why? Because you will now meet Small, isn't it? But you will be looking face to face at the spiritual reality, Sere. And it, I mean, you realize it came from God, not you. Ah. Am I communicating, people? Yes. And so the significance of that new birth or the fact that he had to birth us, or if I can say, born us is supposed to be an immediate communication to you that there is serious significance about that being brought forth. And the enemy knows it. But here, when we come to new birth, is 
is at the tailgate of things, you know, tail end of things. If you go back a little bit earlier, you'll be surprised. And perhaps I should throw this at you so you start to, you know, muse on this. So, the real you, you know. God decided, follow me for the next few minutes closely. God decided, God decided to create a son. Hello? God decided to create beings that would be incorporated and become members of his household, or better put, heirs of God. But when he made that decision, he also decided to create beings that were of the lowest order compared to the existing beings at the time. Who are the existing beings at the time? God and the angels. Okay? I'm sure you've heard it. Um, it's in Psalms 8. It's in Hebrews, isn't it? Um, you have made him a little lower than angels, isn't it? And a lot of people try to explain that away. No, it's not to be explained away. The Bible means exactly that. God created a being that was lower in order than angels. Hello. Yes. We are almost done with the hour. God created beings that were lower than the angels. They are lower than the angels. Human beings, in terms of order of creation, especially when you put together the fact that they are spirit with soul and body, are lower order than the angels. What do I mean? The angels are more mighty. Okay, basically, the angels have undue advantage over the human beings. Right? So remember last week I was telling you, did you remember to pray Prince of Prince of Persia as he could shake kwa store for twenty-one days? <laughs> but but you could see from that example last week that that being is a serious being. It's a deadly being. It's so deadly that in the ongoing warfare, the Bible tells us there are some reserved in chains. They cannot be released. It's unbearable what they can do. Hmm? I mean, Michael is an archangel. This being called Prince of Persia captured him for 21 human days. Three weeks. Now, is Michael weak? Go and ask Zechariah. When Michael came and said, your wife Elizabeth will have a baby, Zechariah said, but, but, you are not talking again until the baby is born. So Zechariah saw what Michael can do. And that is not what Michael can do. That was just a glimpse of what Michael can do. But there's this being that withheld Michael from progressing to the earth. What kind of creature is that? Gabriel, eh? Gabriel, 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 I'm sorry. Gabriel, not Michael. What kind of creature is that? So these angelic beings have serious advantage over human beings. Now when God chose to create these lower beings called human beings, and then declared this will be my heirs, that triggered rebellion. Because it's unbearable. If they're going to be heirs of God, what does that mean for the angelic beings? They will have to serve this. No, no. They'll have to serve them. If they're heirs of God, they'll have to serve them. Have you seen those? It happens with Muzungus. I have not seen it in Africa, because if it happens in Africa, what a shanga. 
There is something about melanin and the brain that are related, that are very African. But you've heard it in Muzungu stories, that one rich Muzungu person uh, was going to die and he gave all the inheritance to a cat. <laughs> then what does that mean? That the servants must serve the cat. And then you see them serve the cat. Hapa, paka na kukula. In, in the African space, even the cat knows. When master dies, run to the forest. Because <laughs> servants will straight away promote themselves and deal with you. But anyway, can you see that? The, can you see the ridiculousness of that? That the, the inheritance is passed to a cat, and the human beings who are servants of this master are forced to serve the cat. That was a picture the angelic beings were seeing. Something like that. This lower order being, being elevated to be heir of God, means that we, 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 we who are in the presence of God, we who are mighty, who are created, like, will have to serve that being. That's what triggered the rebellion. And so listen, that is why the devil and his cohorts hate you passionately. In fact, I'd rather put it this way. They hate you perfectly. They absolutely hate you. And they are restrained by the order or authority of God. Otherwise, they would wipe you out in an instance. I mean, just think about it, Pastor Mungai. How do you defend yourself if an angel is coming to attack you? First, it's invisible. I mean, I, I, I want to give an illustration here, then we, some fun illustration. Uh, Brian, would, would you... No, would, Ilam looks better. Ilam kuja. Ilam come. We, illustration. Somebody give me a shawl, give me something, a shuka. We blindfold him. Come, 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 Ilam. We're going to do this. I, you'll, you'll see why I didn't choose Brian. I chose you because for you it will work very well. Something to, I want to blindfold him. Brian, come blindfold him. Blindfold him nicely so you can't see. Ilam, two aspects. Blindfold him. Huh? Huh? I, I developed aspects one. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's fine. Lower, lower, Brian, lower. Yes, yes. Okay. Can you see Elam? Right. You don't have to tighten it. It's just going to be for 10 seconds. So what you're going to do, Elam, is that I'm going to have 10 seconds to slap you, and you have to defend yourself. Yeah? Okay. You'll have to defend yourselves. Only 10 seconds. So if I don't make it in 10 seconds, you are free. But uh, if I make it in 10 seconds, shauriako, sawa. Okay? Are you ready? Uh, guys, you will help us count. 1, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, isn't it? And I have 10 seconds to slap him. And he has 10 seconds to defend himself. And if he does not defend himself, namwea kibare, namchapa, a nice one. Okay? Are we ready? So you count for him.
see, you see, I was invisible to him. See how defenseless he is. I mean, he would not even realize I was doing nothing. So if he can't see me, he's heavily disadvantaged. I mean, iyo yoto liko nafanya abure, nilikuwa uko. So you can, thanks. So you can imagine, you're up against beings that you can't see. But apart from the fact that you can't see them, is that they are really mighty. They are really mighty. One swing of the sword, in fact, it was not a swing, it says they passed through. One passing through in Egypt, all the firstborns are dead. One angel. During David's uh, uh, rebellion and doing a census, one angel, in a few hours, in one night, 85,000 women were dead. They are mighty. Okay, listen. The fallen ones were not created after. They are, they are the same category of beings. They are mighty. They are invisible. They are intelligent and have the advantage of the fact that they were here before human beings. So they have a full collection of human history. They can see how we behave, what ticks us, what makes us. They see it. So how do you take up such beings in war? Except God's authority has hedged you. Remember, remember uh, what was his name? Remember uh, uh, Job? Job, and, and uh, the devil was stopped from touching his life. But when he had license to touch other things, do you see how he touched them in a day? In a day. In a day, he had wiped out Job's servant's property in a day. Devastation. But no, we are kept. Now, I will tell you how we are kept and why it's useful for what you have to do. But for right now, it's important to know you are kept because you are that precious. You were birthed. You were born. You were birthed. But now I progress this discussion by saying you are birthed for a reason. And that reason goes beyond the meeting of your needs. I insist there's a significance about your life that you need to discover and step into. I think one point made, the other one we will see what to do. So we've got to post ourselves to draw in God, to bring encounters, divine encounters on the earth. We've got to refuse to settle for anything less than what he created us for. And we've got to appreciate that you are not created for the feeling of your belly. It's more about your life. There's a significance about your life that you must lay hold of. And perhaps for today, I would say, you are not created for anything less than changing the world. Hello? Hello? 
yeah, let's bring this to a good halt about here. Let me see. So don't conform, a quick summary. Don't conform. The posture, you have to live in the counter. The posture in your heart, your life must be such that you, you disrupt the Babylonian order. Jesus says it nicely. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. What is he saying? There's something about you that would, should cause you to be living on a counter grain to how the world flows, but more importantly, that has capacity to change how things flow on the earth, on the world, in the world. We will come there. Your posture then has to be one that demands, demands these divine encounters. Demands these divine encounters. Just by posture. Demands these divine encounters. In other words, you are relentlessly pursuing. You're determined to see them in your day. Hello? That was a posture of the men we've looked at. That was Daniel's posture. That was Gideon's posture. That was Peter's posture. Determined to see them in your day. Then the other thing we say, then you must then make demand for these things to be fulfilled in your day. There's no procrastination. There's no procrastination. Oh, in the days of our children, there'll be a great move of God. No, no, no. Our father said that shamefully. <laughs> hmm? Do you remember them? Pastor Polly, you don't remember them? That they will stand up and say, there's going to be a great move of God with the youth. They just eliminated themselves from the equation. All this, in, in, in the, the, I will not be caught there. There is a great move of God here. Amen. And we are the perpetrators, if I can use the word. We are the consultative agent in it. I mean, Peter said, ah, this is it. This is it. We have seen trickles, but I'm laying hold of the full package and demanding that the rest of it be fulfilled in my day. In his day, his shadow raised, his shadow, he, Peter's shadow raised the cripples without him stopping to pray. In his day, the dead were raised. In his day, in his day, the sick were healed. In his day, the, the, the demons were cast out. In his day, but he demanded, he saw visions. Remember him and his visions about Cornelius and all? Everything Joel said, he demanded, he saw it. And I asked you a defining question there. What are you demanding for? See, that's very critical. What are you, 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 what are you reaching out for? What are you laying hold of God for? What are you demanding for? What must come to pass in your day? And that's where you stop. Stop the procrastination. Don't defer nothing to the next generation. Next generation must come and get hold of their own. In your day, what must be fulfilled? Amen. What must be fulfilled? I tell you, oh my God. Okay, so uh, to Malaysia and I, I tell you, someone has to see in the book and demand this must be fulfilled in my day. Otherwise, Mikao too, Sindio. 
cow born, cow eat, cow school, cow death. In my day, this must be fulfilled. Why? Because I am a significant being. Born, not just created. Born of the will of the blood of God. Born. So existing in the order of God. And I exist to make contribution to the change of the world. We'll come to that in Hebrews 11. We have men who are ordinary men like you and I. Listed in Hebrews 11. But pointed out that these ones change the world. In my day. So what you, you, what must be, I, I want to really push that one. I know I'm belaboring it, but I will belabor it righteously. In your day, what is it that must be fulfilled? Hmm? Think about it. Pause and think about it for a moment. What must be fulfilled in your day? Hmm? What is it? In your day. What is it? <laughs> this is how we have encounters with him. These are the crossroads we come to. These are the decisions we make. Then we have encounters with him. In your day, what must be fulfilled? What will you be an epicenter to? What is it that will shake the world that would have originated from your own pursuits and desires after God. What is it? We read beautiful historical accounts, both in scripture and just in Christian history, and we see men who shook the planet by making certain decisions. Who was that man, Pastor? The one who used to come to a town and just book a room and pray. Finney? Finney. Finney would come to your town. You have no idea he came check into a hotel or a, yeah, a motel and be there for a month. And in that month, he's on his knees. But by the time he exits your town, your town has changed. You tell me. See, the Bible guides us. Hmm? Doesn't the Bible guide us, Pina? In your Bible, show me Fini. Where's Fini in your Bible? Hmm? Hello? See, your Bible has prophecies. Where is Fini? Where is Wigglesworth in your Bible? Tell you, Gina, I'm refusing to a verse. Unless it enters next to Nebuchadnezzar. Where is Wigglesworth in your Bible? Men make this decision. Women make this decision. Where is Catherine Coleman in your Bible? Men make those decisions and decide that it is with me and God, that this will be fulfilled in my day. And I'll give you examples of people who are preaching the gospel. There are men who, there are men who, who shook. Where, where is Keith Green in your Bible? Whose music changed the landscape of music, Christian music? And not only that, hello, did what non-believers were not doing, broke the charts spread the love, was anointed music. Keith Green's music, by the way, is never dying. Never dying. Never dying. Uh, two years ago, I was listening to Bethel doing some of his music, and it's, it's fresh. Because they decided, uh, doing Keith Green's music, fresh. 
They, he decided, he decided. Where are those businessmen who will advance the gospel against all odds? They know, they will finance the gospel. That have decided, it is me and the Lord. We are the ones changing these things. Come on. I conclude by reminding you, they were all just captives going to Babylon. There was nothing special about Daniel. Nothing special. There was nothing special about his name. Nothing special about his person. He was a captive like every other captive. But he decided. And in his decision, in captivity, he decided to leave counter and go after encounters with God. And he got them. And he chose not to stop there. He was determined to have encounters with God that would change the world. <laughs> Let's stand up. You, what are you living for? Hmm? You, what are you living for? What are you living for? And this is not motivation speak. Okay? Scriptural. What are you living for? The beauty of saying the things I say in your hearing is that they make you accountable. What about you? It's recorded in the book of Daniel about Daniel, uh, in the lives of Daniel, the life of Daniel. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's not by mistake that that appears in the book of Daniel. Because <laughs> we see a man who is strong and does exploits. The next opportunity we have, we will definitely find ourselves in Hebrews because we're pointing out how significant our lives is. But I want to read you this part. And these all, in Hebrews 11, these all, that is a summation of everybody mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay? The Gideons, the Daniels, the Moses, the Sarah, the Abrahams, all those guys, the Jephthah, the, all those guys mentioned there. He says this about, and even the ones who are not named, who are mentioned but not named, many. He says concerning the many. You'll probably enjoy, the, we'll, we'll enjoy that whole chapter. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, they obtained a good report. In other words, they got a thumbs up. Hmm? They were told, superb, well done. Having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. I mean, that shakes me to the core. They obtained a good report, but they did not receive the promise because God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So, something better reserved for us so that when we do our part, then together all of us are perfected. But you and I are pursuing rent. But, but you and I are occupied with getting a car. A house. Nothing wrong with all those things. Nothing wrong. In fact, he wants you to have more than you can imagine. <laughs> Hello? If, if what he wants to do through you requires a Lamborghini, he'll give you like a joke. He'll make someone who has it 
wake up, be unable to sleep, deliver it to you and send you and ofanye kazi ya Mungu. But then the balance is if what he wants to do through you does not require a Lamborghini, your Lamborghini prayers will never be Lamborghini. <laughs> They're pointless. Okay? But what is it about what is it about you? And I want to leave us with that that all this got a thumbs up, but not the promise. Because the promise was reserved for us. So that now us, together with God, can now bring the whole picture to perfection. And so what happens to them? Scripture says it's a whole cloud of witnesses waiting. People, I'm tired of the ordinary and the normal. And uh, I hope you too are. Yeah, and I am from the depths of my heart praying that out of this company, in fact, Leot Kowengi, I normally am happier with that Apokanusu. <laughs> like, I'm out of this bunch of people would come out people that would change the world. That's, that's really, I, I pray so, because I'm telling you, there's no easy exit for Vincent. I must finish. Hello? What are you? What's your heart pursuing? You, what are you going for?